Hey ladies, and welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am so glad you are here listening today. This is a podcast by a 20-something for 20-somethings in hopes that we can be encouraged, inspired, and challenged in this crazy time of life. So grab something refreshing and let's get going. Hey ladies, I've got a real good one for you today. Let's get real. We live in a very strange time and place. And it feels like conflict is waiting on every corner, and the church is no exception, unfortunately. We fight, we bicker, we argue, but for what? And so my guest today is Vicki Warren, and this conversation is seriously so timely. We talk about missions, reconciling with the Lord, seeking peace in knowing who God is, and pursuing unity in the church. So, not going to waste any of your time because this conversation is just that good. So, let's get to it. My gals, I want to pause for just a minute to tell you about our sponsor for today's episode, which is the hashtag 20-something book written by my very own Kimber Cummings. Are you a 20-something gal? Check Yes, trying to pursue Jesus in what is such an exciting but daunting decade of your life, a decade that seems to be characterized by a lot of dreaming and waiting and discovering, then this book is for you or just any 20-something at heart. Through Kimber's words, you'll feel the familiarity of a close friend as Kimber encourages us through stories with how to create more fun, freedom, and purpose, work through expectations and dreams, and a few disappointments, and just getting to know God's character and goodness transform and inform every area of our lives. I personally enjoyed every single second of this book and laughed so hard. Kimber is real and every gal can relate to what she writes about. So go grab 20-something by Kimber Cummings on Amazon today. Check it out in the show notes. Well, welcome to the podcast, Vicki. I'm so excited to have you. Well, I am so pleased to be here and thank you for inviting me because it's just such yes. a joy. Yes. Tell us a little bit about you and what life is like for you right now. Well, um, my name is Vicki Warren and I actually grew up in the Midwest. I actually grew up in Northwest Indiana. So hmm. my life was very influenced by Chicago. Uh, I worked I can downtown. hear it. <laughs> I spent many years there. Wherever I travel in the world, they know that they ask me if I'm from Chicago. I never lost it, which is interesting because I spent 33 years in California. So it's interesting. Hmm. I never lost my accent. Yeah. Um, but I grew up there. I met my husband there. We were childhood sweethearts. I married oh, my yes. sweetheart. We've been married for 43 years. He mm. is an amazing musician. He plays a multitude of instruments. He has a real heart for worship. He writes amazing worship songs. And uh, as I, uh, uh, I, I spent 33 years, the last 33 years in Southern California, and we just recently relocated to Arkansas. And I think I'll say nice. a little bit more about that in a little bit, but, uh, yeah, it's been quite a shift and, and it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to talk a little bit about that. Uh, <laughs> I, I had an amazing career. I, I graduated from high school and I went into business right out of high school. I didn't go to university until later. I, I was just very blessed. I, I started with an organization who had their accounts payable, accounts receivable, and everything was manual. And they were implementing computer systems and and they did not want to learn how to use them. So they sent (laughs) me for training 
So they paid me to learn on the job how to run and operate mainframes for the purpose of all of their payroll and accounts receivable and accounts payable. So it's pretty amazing because it started the trajectory of my career. Mm -hmm. And uh, through my 33 years, uh, through my career, I got to work in some amazing, innovative, creative environments. Mm -hmm. I uh, actually was on a team. I worked with MIT Media Lab. We were working mm -hmm. on things that think, and we were trying to design a watch that that people could wear that would give you your email, that would allow you to use it for phone calls. Oh my it's goodness. To see it to come to life um, because that was so many decades ago. Right. And it seemed and, like uh, such a far off thing. I'm sure like what a watch that could show you that that's crazy. <laughs> it was very, it was very futuristic. And yet here we are living today. And I, and it's amazing the power we have in mm -hmm. our watches and the things that we can do today. I actually uh, had the privilege of working with Steve Jobs. I worked with wow. him on uh, the project. It was called The Next. It was a computer system that was rolled out. And I learned a lot through that kind of innovation and creativity, trying to launch something new to the market. Mm -hmm. um, it, was, it was a great experience. And then I spent over a decade uh, working with the Walt Disney Company. And I spent cool. the last part of my formal career with the Walt Disney Studios. Wow. And uh, my husband's been with Disney for 30 years. So we're kind of Disneyites. Oh, I love that. Uh, love Disney. We, we, you know, we, we love the uh, pixie dust. We love yes. the Yes. Yes. What did you do for Disney? I had multiple jobs. The, the, one of the, my favorite was I was on a team before we had Hulu and Netflix. And I was mm -hmm. on a team that was designing uh, streaming. We were looking cool. at an interface, we designed, a, designed an interface, the technology, but we were too early. It was too early before the market really? was ready for uh, that oh. type of technology. So Man. I- I just had an amazing career. I loved yeah. what I did. I, I loved the people. Uh, I had, you know, the privilege of being able to walk my faith out in the marketplace, mm. uh, live my faith out right where the Lord had me planted. I was a, a, a member of the Christian fellowship group. I was a, mm -hmm. a, a member of the uh, team that was actively um, working in Hollywood uh, mm -hmm. for truth and, and, and standing for God's word in a way that was kind and loving and caring. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it was just a wonderful privilege to be a part of Disney. Uh, but the interesting thing about it is the Lord placed it up on my heart, mm -hmm. step away before I was old enough to retire. Yeah. And, uh, and I, uh, I actually left Disney to serve full-time uh, church planters and pastors mm -hmm in Asia and Africa wow. and walking alongside and serving them in what the Lord revealed to me as pioneer business planting. Wow. And pioneer business planting is planting businesses among unreached peoples. Hmm. Now that might be a new term. Not everyone's familiar with that, but it really just means people who have never heard the gospel. Uh, they, they don't have a church. They don't have a missionary. They don't have a pastor. There's no one working among them. And so I was working with church, Asian and African church planters to go and plant businesses among these unreached peoples. And oh, what a joy. 
just an amazing 11 years uh, of serving, being a volunteer, uh, walking alongside these, these individuals. Many of them were very young. Many of them were in their 20s and their 30s uh, who had a heart for taking the gospel message out. And uh, it, I traveled to 47 countries. Whoa. And I still today have relationships and friendships and and the majority of those countries that we keep in touch with one another. I hear their stories. I I receive updates from them. And it's just been amazing. Wow. I'm always so shocked by the number, like the statistics that come from how many unreached people groups there are. And like you said, how much that's just not talked about. Um, like we we're just not aware of a lot of it. And so, um, could you maybe give my listeners kind of some, some stats behind what you're seeing right now with unreached people groups? I think, well, the easy way to look at it is look at it as a, a third of the world, a third of the world's population does not easily have access to the gospel message. And that was a big shock for me because uh, growing up as a believer, I thought everyone had heard the message of the gospel, but Mm. had rejected it. So Mm. for me to learn that there were people, there were cities, there were villages, there, there are groups of people who have not had access or heard the message really weighed heavy on my shoulders. And it really caused me to take a huge leap of stepping away from an amazing career that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, and, and the work that I did was amazing. And yet I had this, this call, um, really to co-labor with the Lord for the Lord to, cause the Lord was moving among these people, among these pastors and these church planters. And, uh, he said, go. Um, and, and my husband and I prayed about it and my husband, you know, he sacrificed as well because we went to a one income family. He had to sort of hold things down at the port while I traveled. And, Mm. uh, it was, it was a really, uh, both challenging decision, but also the most rewarding decision I ever made. Uh, Mm. And we've seen the results of that. And that was just in the last year. You said that you've kind of made that transition. That's what I've been doing the last 11 years. Oh, wow. Okay. And in the last year you moved. Yeah. I relocated in the States. Yes. I relocated from California to Arkansas. And I'll talk about that. I'll tell you a little bit more about that story. Uh, (laughs) I want to tell you the interesting thing is I thought that was what I was going to do until I quote unquote physically couldn't travel anymore. And yet three years ago, Three years ago, I was approached by an organization, Mission Next, and asked if I would pray about what I consider serving as their next CEO. And, you know, I, at first, my first reaction was, but I love what I'm doing, Lord, right? I love this, you know, yeah. I this is what I was trying to do. And uh, yet, through prayer and conversations, I realized that he was repositioning me into a role to have an opportunity both to connect workers to the harvest, so see individuals raised up and sent out, but also to pour into the lives of the next generation. And that's a passion of mine is Mm. we're called, right? We're Mm -hmm. called to to walk alongside, to mentor, to, to disciple, to walk 
alongside the younger generation. And that's something I'm very passionate about. And it's a great joy of mine. That's, I love, uh, and, and it's interesting how the Lord brings young people into your life when you are passionate about it. And, uh, you know, people always ask me, older people will say, how do you meet these 20 year olds? How do you meet these young people? It seems like you're always walking alongside a group. Usually it's six. For some reason, it's interesting. It's like a group of six to seven young people <laughs> who have reached out to me. They, and for a number of reasons, they're asking me for how to walk out, how to live out their faith in the marketplace. They're asking me, you know, how to, how to serve well, how to uh, connect and to live a life of significance. Like there are, there, these are some really deep questions, but also uh, fun to walk alongside and see the Lord working in the lives of, of the young people. And so uh, that's been just a real joy and it's, and it continues to be. I love that. That is so cool. And, and I'm excited now to hear a little bit, maybe just about the last year and the transitions that you've made amongst already what was a year of just such chaos. So will you walk us through, you know, what did God teach you? Um, what was good? What was hard in the last year? First of all, I never imagined that I would lead an organization through a global pandemic. It, it was, yeah, yeah, it was not something that you're necessarily prepared for. Uh, it's not something that you take at university. It's not, you know, it's not in the books about here's what you do. The, the amazing part of it is, is if you can keep your eyes open and you can watch and you can see in the midst of the sorrow and the loss and the difficulties, God is working. And, and here's what, here's, what's amazing. He provided, uh, for us at mission next, we already are a virtual organization. So we've been using zoom like technology since the beginning, since it was available. We're You're like, this is old news. <laughs> we're dispersed across the United States. We have 49 <laughs> members and I forgot how many states we're in, but um, we, this is how we conduct ministry is through technology. So we were able to help others. Like we were able to, to, to coach along others who are trying to figure out how to navigate, how to move into the world of technology, into a virtual world. And what did that look like? How do you lead an organization in a virtual community? And so we got to bless others. It was just, that was really sweet that we got the privilege and the honor of walking alongside and providing input and advice and uh, as, a, as an organization. So that was uh, amazing. The other interesting piece of this is you would think that it, that the candidates, the people who are looking to, for service opportunities would come to a screeching halt in the middle of a pandemic. It would be zero, right? And yet we still had individuals coming to the website, filling out a questionnaire profile, looking to see how they might serve. Many of them found stateside opportunities to serve with global uh, mobilization and missions organizations. Uh, many of them ne didn't necessarily travel, but yet they were able to connect and serve. So that was a real oh. blessing that we mm -hmm. were still able to coach, to walk alongside individuals who are trying to figure out what does it look like for me to 
serve? What does it look like for me to connect with a sending agency or a school? Uh, what, what is it, you know, even our schools, yes, uh, they weren't necessarily meeting in person, but moving into an online environment created opportunity, opportunity for people who want to serve in international schools or, or serve with missionary kids. It opened up doors and opened up opportunities. That is really cool. Yeah. And so, and then who moves in the middle of a pandemic, right? Who, <laughs> who, who sells their house for 22 years? And packs up and moves halfway across the country to a community where they know no one. We have no one in this community where the Lord relocated us, where wow. the Lord moved us. Uh, and yet we, we both had confirmation that this is what we were to do. This was a plan. We still don't quite know the extent of the plan of, of why we are here, where we're placed at. Uh, but we, but we were, we were obedient. We were faithful. Uh, it's a little bit of a, of an adventure, uh, in the midst of everything else that's happening in the world. Um, it's a yeah. little bit of an adventure of, of building relationships with strangers, building community. Um, that you've left. Uh, we, you know, we, we left our church community. We left our, our, our friends, our, our infrastructure, our support infrastructure. We packed up and left and, and moved to uh, a, a new culture, actually a new culture in, where yeah. we're at in Arkansas. <laughs> Even so. in the same country <laughs> can be very, very different. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> so you, you I, asked me what the Lord taught us. I just yeah. want to because I remembered you said, what's the Lord taught you through this? And yeah. here's, what, here's what I want to say. The Lord taught us to pray. I do believe that Christians have prayed more in the past year than probably in the past several years. I believe that he's teaching us to trust him and to lean on him and not our own understanding. Because if I were to share the story with your average person, they would say, are you crazy? Like, are you, you know, why did you do it for a job? Did you do it for ministry? Did you, is your family there? Why would you do that? And so there's no logical, a worldly explanation. It really is about listening to the Lord, being obedient, even when you're not quite sure what it is he's calling you to and, and following his direction. And that was probably the biggest thing I learned in 2020 and in the first quarter of 2021. Hmm. Yeah. It's like a lot of times we want whatever the right answer is, you know, it's what's, you know, we want the logical explanation for it. And that's just not how God works most of the time, <laughs> you know, and, and that's more of a reason to be able to brag and to be able to tell other people about him. Um, because there's no rhyme or reason to it besides being obedient to him. So that's really cool. So, you know, I wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit today about just what we're seeing in our world. And, you know, obviously the last year or so has really uh, heightened a lot of just division in our world, in churches, you know, and so I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about that um, and maybe see first, like what you're seeing. Um, obviously you have more of a of a worldwide perspective of how things are. Um, and so kind of what are you seeing? What are maybe the most like troubling things you're seeing right now? And it, it is really the loss of compassion. 
the loss of empathy for others is really troubling to me to, to, to uh, watch in our communities, in our churches. You know, this, this need to be right above all else is just permeating our culture. It's permeating our churches. It's the, you know, the absolute need to be right above all things, including loving the Lord with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, as I, as I kind of prayed through that and grappled with that, I, I really questioned uh, where, you know, where does it stem from? Like, what can we point to a particular time in, in our history? Can we point to a particular cause? And, and I don't think so. I think it's, 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 it was, it's been slowly cultivating over many decades of more of a self-centeredness, but even more importantly is being dependent on ourselves, like dependent, our, our, our career, our success, our ministry, everything is, well, it's on my shoulders. It's my strength. It's my skill. It's my competency. It's my capability versus being completely dependent on the Lord versus saying, Lord, I could not do anything that I've done without you. Uh, I, you know, I just shared with you an amazing life that the Lord, and it was the Lord, it was him working in me and working through me and, and refining me. It was the Lord who, who favored uh, the work uh, that we did. And, and so as I think about that, I think, well, what does it look like for us to truly, truly love the Lord with all our heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves? And it really is laying down our rights, going back to that whole conversation that I said earlier about laying down our rights to be right, but also mm-hmm. just how we live life. And now I'm speaking specifically to Christians when we look at mm-hmm. Psalm 46.10 and we read the first half of the verse and many of us like the first half. We probably have plaques on our desk or on the wall and, it, and you're familiar <laughs> with it. It's be still and know that mm-hmm. I am God right? And so we have this vision that we go into a quiet room and we sit peacefully and we sit quietly. And that's what that verse is about. And actually it's misunderstood. It really is. Because Mm -hmm. if you read the amplified version of Mm -hmm. Psalm 4610, be still and know, recognize, understand that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. What's interesting about that is it's really talking to how we live out our lives. Are we living out our lives in turmoil, in fear, in anxiety? Are we living out our lives looking to see all, you know, is everything that's happening, everything that's going wrong? Are we living out our lives quietly and in peace? And are we living out knowing that God will be exalted, that he will be known, that he has already overcome? Do we recognize and understand that he is God? And so as you look at that verse, I'm hoping maybe you might look at it with some different eyes or just through a different lens. It really is, what do people see when they look at you? So if I see you out in the world, what do I Mm -hmm. see? Do I see Mm -hmm. someone who's anxious and concerned and fearful and frightened and hateful and, and, you know, and pointing fingers, (laughs) that's a, that seems to be a, a a big pastime right now. And, or do we, you know, do we see someone who's, who's 
strong, someone who's at peace, someone who's filled with joy. Are, are you truly brokenhearted for the things that break the heart of the Lord? Are you truly, do you know Christ? Do you recognize him? And do you see him in others? Do you speak truth? in love and gentleness. Now, a lot of us love speaking truth. It doesn't always come out so gentle and it doesn't come with love. It comes with judgment, criticism. My point is right. Your point is wrong. It is really hard to live out without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So here's what I would encourage. I would encourage you to pray and ask the Lord to help you to lay down your rights. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to speak in truth and love and gentleness and to know that God will be exalted among the nations. It's not our role to to judge the world. It's our role to point to truth, to point to the truth and the gospel message and to be honestly to be obedient. That's our role is to be obedient. And so as you talk about what are some of the most troubling things I'm seeing in the church and in the world, and it concerns me is the division. It concerns me because why? Because we know that the enemy divides. We know that the enemy is the one who is divisive. And we're really talking about a spiritual battle. And many of us are not prepared to fight on the field. We're not prepared with the armor. We don't know God's word well enough to even battle the enemy. And so, you know, sort of my call to action is we got to know God's word. We have to know his promises, his truths. We have to know how to fight the spiritual battle because it is a spiritual battle uh, that, that we're watching, that we're seeing being played out. We know the end, we know who wins, but the yeah. reality of we're here now and we have to participate through intercessory prayer we have to participate through living out being still and knowing that he is god we have to participate in caring for the downtrodden to be the voice of this the those that are suffering injustice we have a role to play here on earth um, to continue in this season uh and and honestly i don't see it changing anytime soon so what does that look like for you? You each need to seek out and to pray about it and to ask the Lord um, to direct you. Right. And I like that you were saying, you know, our role here is obedience. Our role is to point to truth and it's not to add to the division and to add to um, the chaos that exists. Um, and so uh, how can we really... Um, start to recognize areas where we might need to just take a step back uh, and like you said, be still, <laughs> not necessarily voice um, our opinions, but instead um, choose to um, be a peacemaker. Um, so how can we um, as believers take that role right now? I think Matthew 5, 9 is the best place to go to begin your journey. And, and I'm, again, I'm going to expound upon the verse. It says blessed, but blessed, uh, has a deep definition in this particular verse. It's talking about being spiritually calm with life, joy, and God's favor. And so, you know, when we just say blessed, 
you know, blessed if we don't realize the depth of what that really means. So be spiritually calm with life, joy, and God's favor are the makers and maintainers of peace. So what does it mean to be a maker and a maintainer of peace? It means that you are a a listener. You're listening with the intent of understanding, not with the intent of responding or defending or to criticize or to be critical. Mm -hmm. You're listening with the ear to hear, to understand what the message is that the communicator is trying to share with you. And it's hard. It really is hard for us to hold our tongues. You know, I I love the saying, it's an old saying, but it says we have two ears and one mouth because we're supposed to listen twice as much as we speak. Mm -hmm. That's very hard for us in this environment, in this culture. And, And what's interesting is, so it tells us, blessed are the peacemakers, right? For they will, what? be called the sons and daughters of God. So what does that mean? It means that they will express or reflect Christ. They will reflect uh, the the Lord in their conversations and their communications. The interesting thing uh, in my career is, is that quite often people recognize there was something different about me without me having to say anything. Because of what were they seeing? They were seeing Christ lived in me. You know, sometimes we think we have to have, you know, our Bible laying on our desk and we have to have Bible verses posted on our walls. And yet they're just watching to see how do you handle difficult circumstances? How do you respond uh, when something has happened difficult and uh, that's either difficult or uh, someone in the church has fallen? What's your response? How do you respond when there's a natural disaster that happens somewhere in the world? They're looking to see, to watch you, to understand. Because why? Because they're attracted to light. They want the same joy that you have in your sorrow. They want, they, 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 they crave to see someone who has joy in the midst of trials. And why is it? Why? We know why, right? Because they have a desire to be reconciled to the Father through the Lord, through Jesus. And so as you calm the wars and the tempers and reconcile with others, how do we do that? Well, we have to be calm ourselves. We have to be peaceful ourselves. And, and I'm not saying this is easy because you can tell already I'm kind of a type A personality. I'm sure you can figure that out. <laughs> I'm sort of a, I'm a high energy Uh, I'm a high type A kind of personality. And yet what I, when I've seen the greatest fruit is when I've had the greatest joy and the greatest peace. And, and, and usually it's in the midst of pain or in the midst of loss or in the midst of a pandemic, you know, often I get asked, you know, Oh, what's happening? Are we being, you know, punished? Is this, you know, is, is this a, you know, is this the Lord punishing us for, for our sin? What, you know, what's happening? And, and always, 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 I point them back to God's word. I point them back, you know, to Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, right? It, it's beyond anything we can understand, stands guard over our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Why is that important for us? Because in order for us to be peacemakers, we have to be at peace. 
we can't be peacemakers if we're agitated and and fearful and and we're sort of like the like the willow tree that's blowing in the wind we blow this mm-hmm. way and then we blow this way yeah. we have to have a you know the working definition of a peacemaker is someone who is actively seeking to reconcile people to god mm. and often i think that people are thinking our role as a peacemaker is to reconcile people to each other like our, 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 you know, we have to reconcile denominations or we have to reconcile brothers and sisters, or we have to reconcile, you know, uh, uh, Christians in the body of Christ. And really as a peacemaker, our call is to reconcile people to God, because that has to happen first before we can have reconciliation among ourselves. Hmm. That's that good. Help? And that's, that's so, oh, that's so good. And cause it's so missed right now, right? It's, we do have such a focus on, um, even if it is a bent towards wanting peace and wanting reconciliation, right now the worldly stance is it's just looking at between people or people groups or whatever it is. And so, but we can't have that. I keep, I keep thinking, you know, it's just never going to look that way until we're in heaven. And, and I wish it could. But you're right. That's the piece that's missing. The piece, P-I-E-C-E, that's missing. <laughs> or did I spell that wrong? No, I think I got oh, it. I'm for you. That's the piece that's missing because we, as much as we try between relationships here on earth, you're right. We won't be able to have that reconciliation unless first with God because we just can't on our own. We are broken human beings. And so, you know, that was kind of my next question was, you know, what's maybe our role then in relationships? Because, you know, if we're seeking reconciliation and peace with relationships with other people, um, especially right now when there's so many opinions and so many different things that we can disagree on, um, that are being thrown out there. How do we, how do we come back to peace in, in, in relationships with others? And that kind of ties into what you had just said, but maybe more specifically towards relationships with the people in our lives. I think it requires the fruit of the spirit. It, mm-hmm. it does without the fruits of the spirit where it's, you know, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control, you know, you have to go back and you have to assess how am I doing? What does it look like? And then we need to ask, you know, if I'm struggling with patience, I ask the Holy Spirit to help me to, to strengthen me. You know, it is called the fruit of the spirit. And so there's a reason why, because it's through the work of the Holy Spirit Mm. that allows that. So, you know, if you were to take an inventory, if you were to take a survey and say, well, how am I doing, you know, in the area of love, how am I doing? And I'm not talking about loving those who are lovable. I'm talking about loving those who are difficult to love. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. How are you doing with joy, inner peace? How are you doing with that? How are you doing with patience? How are you doing with kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Because that's where it begins, right? That's where it starts. You know, God's heart is, is that we worship him. That's his heart. He wants us to worship him. But in the midst of that, in the lack of that, we, he's called us to mission and on mission, co-laboring with the Lord, 
we, we do look at how do we do that? Well, it looks like this. We listen with the intent to hear, right? We look for what we love in the person, the environment, or the idea first. Now, I really was taught this as when I started traveling, uh, and I started going to places that were very rustic, I'll just say, uh, very remote <laughs> locations. And I remember like the first couple of trips, I caught myself complaining. You know, oh, I wish I had air conditioning. I wish I had cold water. I wish I had this. And it was on the third trip that I was on that the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, look, look, you know, tell me what it is that you love about this, this environment. Tell me what it is you love about this food. Tell me what it is you love about this people. Stop telling me all your complaints and your, you know, your griping and your complaining. And, and really, you know, when we hear something, like we hear an idea or we hear someone speak or we hear or we see something, pause and say, what is it I really love about that idea? What is it I really love about that environment or that person or, or that relationship before I get in to the critiquing? mode or the, 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 I know better mode. I call it like, I, I know better. I know what to tell you to do. And then praying before we respond. I can't tell you how many times I forget to pause and pray. I'll see something on social media and I want to respond. I'll hear a conversation and I want to interject. I observe an occurrence and I want to correct. Before I've even prayed, maybe it's not my role or my position, or maybe the Lord hasn't called me to, to, to intercede or to, to, you know, to interject my opinion or my thoughts more often than not, the Lord confirms I should keep my mouth shut (laughs) or the Lord will guide me and how to interject with love and kindness and gentleness into the conversation. Now, I'm not talking about someone who is blaspheming, you know, blasphemous or someone who's mm-hmm. spreading lies or anything like that. I really, and that's not, that's, a, that's an exception to what mm-hmm. we see on a daily basis in our culture and our environments and our churches. It really is sort of the small stuff that, that causes us to divide, that causes the division. Uh, Philippians 4, 8. Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and with good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. You know, I, I, I share the story often when I speak about it. Um, if you're walking along on a sidewalk and someone bumps into you, what comes out of your mouth? Because what comes out of your mouth is an overflow of what you've planted in your heart. If you are agitated and angry and frustrated with the person, that's what resides in your heart. If you're saying, you know, if your first response is, oh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Is everything all right? You know, that's what's in your heart. That's what's planted in your heart. Mm -hmm. And so as we talk about the, what are the steps towards creating a more peaceful relationship, a more peaceful environment is prayer. It's prayer. It's time at the feet of the Lord. It's 
quiet time with him. It's in his being in his word, studying his word, memorizing his word, reading his word. It's all of that because that fills our hearts so that when we are in conflict, when we are, when we are in a difficult circumstance or situation, it will be his voice that comes out, not ours. Yes, I love that. And I think about, um, you know, the amount of time that I spend, you know, looking at things that could, um, you know, social media specifically, that could cause emotions like that for me to want to respond or whatever it is, versus the time I spend in God's Word or in prayer, things that are going to um, center my heart and my mind and, and influence what would come out of my mouth. Um, even just taking a look at that and and us taking an inventory of the time spent on both is a really good indication of of where our hearts are and what's important. And, you know, it's so easy to, to click a button on our phone and scroll. Um, and so are we letting that influence us more? And so if it is, if we are finding ourselves feeling like there's a lot of chaos and not a lot of peace, you know, are, are we surrounding ourselves with that, you know? (laughs) And so I love, you know, those scriptures that you, that you shared and, and how even just, even just hearing that, you know, are we really meditating on a lot of those truths, um, and letting that influence us. And so, um, I've just really enjoyed, you know, so far this conversation and just being able to think about, um, and maybe start to take some inventory of some of those things we can all, we all can take a step back and kind of look at that, um, So, but I'd love to jump into uh, my last three questions. And these are ones I ask every guest that comes on the show. So my, the first one's always the hardest, just get it over with. Right. (laughs) But what is one thing that you wish you knew as a 20 something? That's a great, I can tell you're still a 20 something at heart. So (laughs) Uh, I feel like it. I do. Uh, You know, I think that the, first thing would be the great joy of serving someone without reward. You know, there's something to be said about serving someone and not taking credit for it. And I wish I would have known that younger about caring, providing, doing something for someone who cannot repay me. They cannot repay me in any way. There's such great joy in that. And I think it centers us. It it creates humility uh, because, you know, I'll often see, you know, we have a tendency to advertise our good deeds. We have a tendency to post the photos or the images or the, you know, I'll, I'll share with you some of the greatest moments of my life was giving to someone who could never repay me without telling anyone without, and it doesn't necessarily always have to be finance finances. It can be other ways of serving someone, caring for what someone, loving on someone without expecting a reward or without telling others. I think the the second thing for me would be how much memorizing God's word would influence my attitude, would influence my decisions and influence my spirit. Um, I, you know, I, I do have concerns that, that we may not have access to the Bible. Um, in my lifetime, in my mm-hmm. lifetime, I, 
I do have, it's one of my greatest prayers is uh, that we would have the freedom to have multiple Bibles in our homes or to have you version on our phones or um, we take it for granted. I serve in many places where the Bible is illegal and uh, having a Bible is, is, could cost you your life. And, and we don't understand that because we've grown up having access. And I do have a concern that, that the Bible may be taken from us. But here's the thing. If you have it memorized, if you know God's word, no one can take that away from you. Um, it mm-hmm. stays with you. And so yeah. that would be something I would really encourage you. Mm-hmm. You're right. We totally do take it for granted. And that's something that I think we need to be reminded of often. Um and yeah, we can hide it in our heart because he tells us to. <laughs> a so, yeah, seriously. <laughs> so what are you like reading, listening to, watching, any of those things? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I have a couple of favorite Christian uh, fiction books that I have really influenced my life that I just reread. So it's kind of funny that you asked me that question because yeah. I just reread Safely Home by Randy Alcorn. It had a huge influence on my life, probably mm. about 10 years ago, maybe mm. around that time. Uh, and then I just reread, uh, it's a it's called Hastening, No Place Left. And it's by uh, Steve Smith. And they're both Christian fiction, but they really, one, they're worth rereading. And two, they had a huge impact on, on my life. Uh, and so I also, um, for fun, I, I tend to read about a book every two days. So I'm, I'm a reader. Wow. Uh, I just started reading, <laughs> this be a fun one. I just started reading children's mystery classics. Now classics, is those books from like the sixties. And, uh, so I just, uh, was introduced to the three investigators, uh, by mm. Alfred Hitchcock of all people. It, it's, and it's a children's series, but it's a yeah. mystery and it's fun and it's it's just real enjoyable I um just finished the Trixie Belden series I like Mm -hmm. mystery I like intrigue I like um, yeah and uh the Dana girls and so I was I never read those as a young as a young child and so it's been fun going back and reading them as an adult and uh this year every year I do a a one-year reading plan and this year mm-hmm. I'm doing the Bible project, which has been very Me too. <laughs> the Bible project. I love the videos. It's been mm-hmm. just a real joy um, yeah. to to walk through that. And so that's my daily reading is the Bible project. Yeah, I'm probably like way behind you, but <laughs> I do love their videos so much. They're so helpful. I'm such a visual learner. And so I'm- watching their videos is super helpful for me. And I think they do such a great job. Love that. Wow. We'll have to check in with each other on that. <laughs> okay, great. We can join friends uh, on version, So I'll see. If oh I can find yeah, you. that's right. Hopefully you won't be able to see have- how behind I am, but <laughs> oh, okay. no, I, no judgment, no judgment. I have a group of ladies, young ladies across mm-hmm. the globe. Uh, they're single that I uh, mentor and wow. we're a part of a WhatsApp group and we're a part of you version together. So. That is so cool. I love that. What's the entry fee? Just <laughs> no, it's free. It's a free entry fee. I, it's, 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 my, it's just my joy. And I love just hearing their stories and watching their lives and what God's doing 
in their lives. Mm. And so it's, and it's, and it's a joy. They asked me to pray for them that they would find godly mm. husbands. And, uh, I've watched some of them get married to godly husbands. Aww. So that could have been a reward, um, for yeah. the, for the labor. And, uh, yeah. So that is so cool. I love that. And lastly, what is refreshing you these days? Anything that's just really given you life? Yeah, we where we moved, uh, mm. we moved um, next to a national forest. Uh, and I have to tell you, walking into the middle of a forest and just listening and talking to the Lord has been just a great joy that I really didn't get to experience where we lived. We didn't really have, we lived in the high desert, so we didn't have trees. We didn't have um, pine trees, especially. I'm, I love pine trees. Mm. Uh, so I'm just loving going outside, walking into the middle of the forest, um, talking to the Lord about the things that are happening and, and, and uh, just sitting there and mm. listening to him. I also, mm. amazing thing, I talk about culture shock where we moved. Uh, our neighbors are cattle ranchers. And so their cows uh, wander the road and wander our pastures. And um, <laughs> I tell you, there's something about sitting and watching cows graze that really brings you just uh, closer to the Lord. And it's been, a, it's been, it's refreshing and it's, it fills me with joy just to sit and watch them graze. I, uh, I, yeah, I've really enjoyed that. And that's kind of some of the things I've been doing. You know, I have a really crazy busy schedule uh, with everything that I, I have packed into, into the 24 hours a day that I have. But when I have moments, I take those moments and go for a walk or sit on the porch and enjoy that. Some people have asked me, are you going to retire now? Is that why you moved? And I, and I really <laughs> don't feel that's the Lord's plan. Mm. I'm loving serving with mission next. I'm loving the team I get to serve with. There's some amazing people who have lived, lived their lives giving sacrificially of their time, their talent, and their finances. And I'm surrounded by them. I get to serve with them. So that's a huge joy. And, and just the Lord's allowing me to like this, like this podcast, like he opened the store and, you know, I'll be walking 10 feet off the ground for the next hour or two after you and I hang up here. <laughs> and I could, this is really where I flourish. This mm. is where I, I, I just love this, these types of opportunities. Mm, me too. <laughs> I love being able to talk to people like you that are on fire for the Lord and hide the word in their heart, are close to the word of God. And I can tell that about you and just the ways that you um, serve and are continuing to serve, stepping out of of jobs that you know, you loved and that you're like, wait, what, what about this God? You're, even though he was still using you in those spaces. So it is so cool to talk to ladies like you. And that's why I do this to talk to people like you. <laughs> wow. thank you. So thank you for coming on today, Vicki. I loved having you. It was a blessing. Was I right? Or was I right? Ladies? I am so thankful for Vicki speaking the truth and love to us. And I just pray for softened hearts, ease burdens, and open eyes. And so thank you so much for listening today. And until next time, my friends, stay fresh, my people.